0: Hi everyone, Um, welcome to episode 3. This episode is episode 3, although only two episodes have been released. That's because episode 1 is unreleased and I've explained that, I think I've explained that in the previous um, podcast. I'm not sure because I haven't actually heard it because I don't want to listen back to my own voice. So um, yeah, this is episode 3. So today I want to talk about Yemen again. I've talked about it a few times before. And uh, the reason I'm bringing this up is, you know, the recent spike in awareness on social media, everywhere, even on the news. I think after this um, Sky News headline that has said very clearly that the COVID pandemic is going to wipe Yemen off the face of the earth, which is very true. Now, this recent hype and awareness, I have uh, quite mixed feelings about this. I'm happy that they're getting awareness obviously because that's what I've wanted for such a long long time but I'm also frustrated by the fact that it is such a long long time you know I've I've spoken about this before I've wanted to raise awareness about this I've done I think I think I've done some I wouldn't say I've done a lot but you know I've done some and it's something that I do care about um so it it is a little bit frustrating that it's only coming to light now, especially when I when I see people who I know have known about it, and they've been quiet for so long. But now, because there's a jump on social media, people are they're they're deciding to post about it. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I I don't know if I can really criticize them. I'm just saying it makes me it makes me question people's intentions. You know, I, I don't know are they doing it because they will need to feed their you know western savior complex where they have to post about it so that they can feel like for their own self-validation that they feel like they've done something because if you've been silent for so long and you're doing the bare minimum now you know it's it's not I, I I really don't think it's enough at all but at the same time I don't know do I what if what if they didn't even know about it until now And now they're posting about it. I can't fault them. Um, And even if they did know about it. And they were quiet. And they didn't say anything. And now they are saying something. I still shouldn't criticise them. Because at least they're saying something. So. You know. It's mixed feelings. That underlying frustration is there. And I did vocalise that. At the outset of this. Peak in awareness. But. To be honest. I really shouldn't criticise anyone. And. I should be happy that they're finally finally getting the awareness that they need but you know it is it's a little bit frustrating um i have so so i'll say what i wanted to say is i've talked about this before in year 10 i did we all had to in year 10 in my school we all had to do a little talk that was like five minutes long about anything we wanted um it was part of our english gcse and i decided to do mine not fully on Yemen but it was more about how the media pays more attention to certain issues and ig- ignores others and I didn't use the example of Yemen because you know it was the biggest it still is the biggest humanitarian crisis in the world this is late 2016 early 2017 sort of time I think and um, it would it was already labeled the worst humanitarian crisis in the world at this time and literally no one had known about it and I was really shocked and I wanted to kind of explore the media and why they take this stance and I still don't know why but uh, that's what I spoke about and one of the questions that I highlighted is um, is it our fault that we don't know or that we are unaware of, of these crises that are happening around the world is it our fault because the media not reporting on it enough surely they're responsible not us And in response to that, I would say, yes, the media is responsible, they are to blame, but we can't put all the blame on them because we are also partially responsible. Um, Although the information isn't, like, prevalent, you know, it's not on the news all day, every day, you would barely see it on right-wing outlets like ITV or Sky, but... um, you know, it is there, I know Channel 4 did an edit on it, I know the BBC have done a few reports, Um, they've done a podcast, I know The Economist has done a podcast, I know The Guardian's done a few articles dated 2016, 2017, 2018, so, you know, although it's not everywhere, sorry, just got a hiccup, it was there, and we have to recognise that too, And so, because of this, this opinion, or this viewpoint I have on this issue, um, I I took to Instagram the other day and I said, you know, the media is responsible, but we're also to blame, you need to diversify your news sources, if you're only reading the Daily Mail and the Sun on Snapchat, you know, that's a problem, start reading The Guardian, start looking at Al Jazeera, and um, start reading things that you haven't seen before. And I also commented this on a a post that's gone a bit viral now even though it's a bit inaccurate it's been posted by a very verified um kind of activist source and I was a bit surprised since the information was a little bit inaccurate um but I commented on there at the beginning when it was first posted you know it literally only had like a few hundred likes at the time um I said you know, you need to look at Al Jazeera and blah blah blah. And a lot of people came back to me and they were like, you know, Al Jazeera is, is worse than CNN. Al Jazeera is worse than Fox News. Al Jazeera is Qatari funded BS. You can't trust Al Jazeera. It they have a really like skewed stance and stuff like that. And I said, yeah, okay, all all news outlets have a bias. No news outlets news outlet is impartial or has no agenda every news outlet does even if they say they're impartial like the BBC the BBC has a right-wing bias so or certain reporters within the BBC do anyway so I wasn't so in response to them I said you know yeah they might have a bias but what I'm saying is that they report on the conflict whereas other news outlets don't report at all so they are shedding light on it no matter what their stance and I said, it's not the political intricacies that matter. It's the fact that they're talking about Yemen. And a lot of people said, you know, everyone knows there's something going on within Yemen. This is not the way to educate people. And I literally said, there are people that don't know that Yemen is a country. There are people that only know about Yemen because Chandler went there in Friends. Like, you you can't assume that everyone is is as informed as you because they're not and that's the first mistake because once you do that's where it all gets lost but anyway I so that was my response to that but at the same time I did want to know because I do I'm a big fan of Al Jazeera and um in my opinion I've found them to be quite impartial from what I've seen Or well, maybe they're not and I'm just being brainwashed but who knows um so I was I was a bit um concerned or interested or curious, let's say, to find out all this tea about Al Jazeera. So I got into contact with um, a guy from, uh, he lives in Saudi Arabia in Riyadh, but he is Yemeni. And he had some opinions on the media that I didn't, uh, in about the Western media that I didn't agree with. Um, but that's because he doesn't live in the West, so his opinion would obviously be different to mine, and we don't have the same viewpoint on the Western media, but that's not relevant to what I was saying. But anyway, he told me that Al Jazeera is Qatari-funded, So, and Qatar and Saudi Arabia are like, not friends. They used to be, but like a couple of years ago, or even just, I don't know if it was a year or two years ago, they fell out um, due to diplomatic clashes, or there was economic reasons, so it was nothing to do with Yemen anyway. And since then, um, Al Jazeera has changed their stance on the Yemeni and com- the Yemen civil war conflict, and um, I was like, "Oh, okay, cool." But I still think Al Jazeera is better than what we have here in the West because the West doesn't report at all, and Al Jazeera gives information on a lot of things that are going on around the whole world. But nevertheless, I was still interested. Um, I wanted to know about what his viewpoint was in the conflict because. I have been... I'm not a fan of Saudi Arabia. Um, Neither is he. He lives there. He's Yemeni, but he lives there. Um, And neither is he. But he said, you know, it's not a good idea to get your information on the Yemen conflict from um, Western media or Al Jazeera. Uh, He says he only relies on uh, Yemeni journalists who um, put their information on Twitter because they're living through the war, they're living in the war and they're living through the conflict. So he said, you know, that's where I get my information from. I do look at uh, Saudi sources and Al Jazeera and the Western media too, but he says primarily he goes for the independent Yemeni journalists because he wants it to be as impartial as possible and as accurate as possible, which is probably a good idea because I do not trust corporations at all. So anyway, I'm, I'm sure a lot of you are wondering, that, um, wondering why I'm saying all this stuff about Al Jazeera, which doesn't really concern you at all. When I said I'm going to talk about Yemen and I haven't really talked about Yemen at all, I'm just talking about Al Jazeera. So now I'm going to briefly, well as brief as possible, explain the conflict in Yemen impartially, briefly, using information that i had before i spoke to this guy and information i had after speaking to this guy and mixing it all together but making it fair and not biased and so you guys can draw your own conclusions does that sound good oh wait oh <laughs> you can't reply okay hold on. okay okay i'm gonna try and do this really simply so um in the years 2010 2011 2012 there was a series of uprisings in the Middle East and North Africa, called the Arab Spring. You know, it's just embarrassing. I'm out of breath because I just came up the stairs. Anyway, um, so these were uprisings against uh, not really kind of dictators and, you know, one-party states or, like, leaders of these countries. I'm not going to go into detail. So the leader of Yemen at the time was a man named Ali Saleh. And uh, the Arab Spring caught on. And he didn't want the violence to um, increase the same way that it had done in, you know, Egypt and Libya and Syria. Basically, he didn't want to get killed. So he stepped down and um, put in this transitional government, which included, uh, you know, the free Yemen rebel people and um, members of his own government. And they were like... Negotiating a coalition before it was a peaceful transition and this was all funded by Saudi Arabia because Yemen didn't have that much money to do this. So Saudi Arabia fu- um, funded them in the meantime before the transitional government could become an official government of Yemen. Meanwhile there's this political group um, or faction called the Houthis, now you probably heard of them. They have more sectarian goals in trying to control Yemen. They are predominantly a Shia faction, but it's not that relevant to their identity. They just have sectarian goals in the way that they want Yemen to be run. They want um, it to be more, you know, conservative and kind of Islamist, you know, no cinemas and stuff like that. And um, gender segregation, more gender segregation and things like that. So I hope that makes sense. So when Yemen was under this transitional government that was, you know, half, you know, the old government, half some rebels, half these people, obviously that's kind of, it's I mean, it's weaker than the, the rule under Ali Saleh, which was very strong and people weren't going against it. So the Houthis, they noticed this vulnerability and they said this is the prime time for them to undermine this government and take over and that's what they were planning to do and Ali Saleh the ruler who had just been kicked out or stepped down from government he was really power hungry and he wanted his job back and he saw that the Houthis are you know they're plotting to like kind of take over this transitional government and take control of the country so he said you know if I help them we can really do this because he would have their support and he still has his um, some of his people in the transitional government that will support him, like his loyalists. So together, Ali Saleh and the Houthis pulled a coup against the transitional government in Yemen. And this is the outbreak of the Yemen civil war that you've heard of. The coup against the government in 2014, that's what I'm talking about. It was only possible for the Houthis to do this with Ali Saleh's help because he had his loyalists in the Ministry of Defence who got him the arms, who got him all the you know information and spying and all that and that's how they did it and this forced the president of Yemen who was in that government to flee to Saudi Arabia. His name is Hadi something Hadi, Abdul Hadi. Now this civil war got worse and worse and worse And um, then Ali Saleh was like, oh no, this is bad. I'm going to go back to the other side and try and um, stop the Houthis from creating all this conflict and doing all this. Oh, I shouldn't say creating conflict because that makes it sound like I'm taking a bias. But like, stop the Houthis so that the conflict dies down, basically. So he switched sides to the Yemeni government side which is the one supported by Saudi Arabia. The Houthis then assassinated him. So now Ali Saleh is out of the picture completely. Then in March 2015, the Yemeni government um, that was in power, who had been overthrown by the Houthis, asked Saudi Arabia, can you help us defeat them? We need to get them out and we need control of our country back. So, Saudi Arabia complied and um, intervened in Yemen. And this um, was backed by UN resolution number, hold on, let me check, 2216. And it wasn't just Saudi Arabia, it was Saudi Arabia, um, it was a team, a coalition, including Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Kuwait, Bahrain, um, the UAE, Sudan, and Morocco, and Qatar. This was before Qatar and Saudi Arabia were in a fight. And once they be, once the fight started, they left in twenty seventeen, I think. And Morocco also pulled out because it was giving them a bad name with the West, and they get a lot of tourism from there, so they pulled out too. Meanwhile, Iran, Saudi Arabia's worst enemy, um, backed the Houthis because Iran is a Shia majority country, and the Houthis are also a Shia, like Shia faction. Like being Shia isn't their main thing, but um, it's just important to know that they're kind of they like Shia is one of their personalities because that's why Iran has backed them. Because Iran hates Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia hates Iran, and um, Saudi Arabia is supporting the Yemeni government, so Iran wants to support the Houthis. And so while this war is about the Yemeni government trying to get their control back from the Houthis, it's also about Saudi Arabia trying to keep the Yemeni government an ally and not let the Houthis take over who were in cahoots with Iran because then um, Iran will have an ally that is borders with Saudi Arabia and that would be like a threat to them and it could create loads of instability and like more wars obviously because they're sworn enemies. So while you might have heard the term Yemen is at war with Saudi Arabia, or well Saudi Arabia is the one oppressing Yemen, it is way more complicated than that. Um, I'm not saying Saudi Arabia is innocent at all, um, but it's like, it's such a broad statement to make about something that is so different. And I think people are completely excluding Iran from the equation here when they are one of the primary um, players in this, in this conflict. Okay, my next point, or my next miss, or not miss, but something I want to add to something that's been going around. Um, when this guy was telling me about the, his point of view of the conflict, and I said, um, because he, from his view, he didn't think Saudi Arabia was the necessarily the bad guy. He just thought he was one of the sides in a war in which both sides are like equally bad slash good like both sides they're just sides they're not bad or good um that was his view and i said but what about saudi arabia because they're bombing hospitals and schools and uh, water uh, sewage plantations and water um providing what they what they called water plantations (laughs) i know you don't plant water i just forgot what it's called um so anyway i said what about that because you you seem to be glorifying Saudi Arabia a bit and in my head that's not right. And he said he's not he's not glorifying Saudi Arabia and, you know, they are part of the reason the conflict has escalated but um, the story that's being ignored in Western left media here by The Guardian and Al Jazeera and all these places is that the Houthi faction backed by Iran are hijacking the schools and the hospitals, um, killing everyone in there, turning them into military bases, and then attacking um, the authorities, the Yemeni authorities from the government and Saudi Arabia, etc. So he was like, So when you read these reports that Saudi Arabia has bombed a school, they haven't actually bombed a school, they've bombed a military base. And I was like, um, I get what you're saying. And he sent me, like, loads of evidence, and I was like, so, you know, it's probably true, but I am I know in all cases that it's not true. Especially I heard that story about the school bus getting bombed and there were loads of children in it. Like, how, how can you say that's a, like, how is that a military base? And he was like, um... And he then he sent me a thing an article about um Saudi Arabia holding or the coalition holding press conferences over their mistakes and how they've um like pressed legal charges on the people who are making those mistakes and um having uh, inquiries to make sure that it doesn't happen again. And um, yeah, I think it. they are doing that, but I just think it's important for you to know that, but from my point of view, I still think, I, I don't think they're innocent at all. Um, I think both parties are uh, guilty. And I tried to tell him that, but his response was mainly like, it's a war, like it's going to happen which I was like, eh, dude. But he did say, you know, you, it's fair enough that you have that opinion, but did the Western media ever tell you that? Like, did the Western media ever convey this? And to be honest, they didn't. They didn't. The Western media, when when they have talked about this, which is barely ever, they've literally only talked about Saudi Arabia attacking Yemen. And it's kind of, spreading this false idea that this isn't a civil war this is a war between Saudi Arabia and Yemen which is not true um I would say it is at heart a civil war between the Yemeni government and the Houthis but it's escalated because of the Saudi Arabia and Iran so those two countries are or Saudi Arabia the coalition and Iran um so I think it's important that I don't understand why the media hasn't recognised that. Like, I don't understand how that would help the Western media at all to exclude that information, so it's a bit strange. I'm actually going to play you a recording of what he said because I thought, like, it kind of got his point of view across quite good. Well, quite well. Sorry. (laughs) Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that British media always or effectively reports on Yemen. I'm not implying that. I'm just implying that when they do, it's usually through the prism of, uh, oh, the Saudis are bombing Yemen, that, that sort of thing. And it's frustrating, because the thing is, is that a lot of people rely on those headlines. And these headlines are pretty much misleading. And I know this, because I've had these talks before, and I've had these talks in person. I've been to the UK several times, just twice in the past year my last time, I remember some cab driver, he, he was a Muslim fellow, he knew I was Saudi, and he started ranting and raving about Yemen. I'm like, do you even know how this war started? And I just think what he's highlighting is that we are looking at this conflict. Okay, my understanding of this conflict is fairly accurate, but I, I do agree that there is a greater criticism of Saudi Arabia than the Houthis or Iran, and I think, what he said has highlighted that we need to realise the importance of looking at things from a different angle and that it's kind of toxic or inaccurate and we have no place to kind of educate or propagate about this subject when we've only been informed from like a singular media source and we're oversimplifying it and we're using blanket statements which is bad for us because we're getting inaccurate information and we're like falling into the trap I'm not talking about this particular conflict. I'm just talking about in general, and it's not good. And it's for us, like you know, it. I I I hate Saudi Arabia, but it's it is irresponsible to blame them for everything, especially when we're living here and we're only looking through a Western lib left lens because that's the media that we've been exposed to. I do have to finish off here because I said I would split this into two episodes, but um. So in the next one, I'm going to talk about the weapons. And because I've talked about that before, everyone knows I've talked about that before and I've written about it before. So I'm going to talk about that because I know I've kind of opened my eyes here to the reality of the relationship between Saudi Arabia and Yemen. But um, I'm going to talk about my stance on that weapons debate and the exporting of weapons debate in the next episode. But what I just want to say now is moving forward, what we need to do is three things i think one is continue this awareness like it's really good um but also donations are way better than this because i think now people have heard about it like awareness is good it's a little late but you know it's good but donations is what we really need now like islamic relief is really good um unicef i i'm i think they take a percentage for themselves and save the children. I I thought it was decent, but you know apparently it's not. I don't know, but I know for sure stomach relief is good. And I personally donate through Muslim Hands. Um, I I think they're great. And you know if you have any questions, I've always phoned them up, and they they literally are so honest, and they'll get back to me. And um, I I use it all the time. And uh, number two, avoid using broad statements to explain a complex conflict because it's it, you can't, it's, it's ignorant, and it's not fair on the people experiencing it, and living that hell, for you to try and summarize it in a sentence, or even three points, I've seen it summarized as three points, like, don't do that, and three, uh, look at things from more than one angle, you know, I, have I thought I did until I realised I was only looking through a live left angle. And that's because that's my personal bias. I live on the liberal left. And I trust them. And maybe I need to do... I do need to do better. But I think we all need to do better. And I'm not saying be perfect. I'm just saying, you know, if you if you read one, source read two. And, you know, that's that's what I'm saying to do. And be open to conversation. This guy, he... I, I disagreed with him about Al Jazeera. Um, because yeah, they have a bias, I still love Al Jazeera, um, they have a bias, but they talk about issues that are ignored in, in the media that I see on TV, and the radio, and in newspapers, so that's why I like them, um, so be open to conversation, because I learn a lot from him, even though we didn't exactly agree on everything, but you know, um, be open to conversation, and four, and I said three things, but I just want to say, I still love Al Jazeera, all media is biased, um, but they, they report on more issues than what we see in our sphere of the media, and, um, I recommend AJ Plus on Instagram, it's literally AJ and then PLUS, AJ Plus, they're good, they, it's not very detailed, so, like, there's less room for (laughs) subjective opinions, um, it's, like, they have 30 seconds videos on their, on their feed, and, um, on Instagram, and it's about literally everything you could ever think of in the world, economics, politics, social things, like, it's very nice, it's probably my favourite account, and, um, definitely better than the BBC, I don't know, has, you know the BBC, things on Instagram, I, they're, you know, rubbish these days, like, this, it's all about Covid, and it's like, what's the most embarrassing thing that happened to you in Covid, Claire from Surrey, Was naked on a Zoom call, and I was just like, "What? This is this news? Huh? What?" I thought I was just very perplexed. Um. So yeah, follow AJ Plus. Um. And I'm gonna just go and record the next podcast now about weapons and my opinion on the fact that the UK is exporting weapons to support Saudi Arabia in this conflict. Thanks and um hopefully this wasn't boring and i wasn't rude or um confusing because i think it was confusing i don't know i'm not listening to it so you guys have to tell me so tell me okay bye see you Bye.